0: Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. And
1: I'm Abby Bennett.
0: And this is Dinner Table Politics. And I want to begin Dinner Table Politics by sharing with you a tweet from the President of the United States. Are you excited?
1: Love me a good DJT tweet. DJT? Donald J. Trump.
0: Oh well, yeah, but is that what the, the hip young kids are calling it these days?
1: Yeah, in my hip young kid circles, that's what we refer to him as. Okay,
0: alright. Uh, this was nine hours ago. Howard Schultz doesn't have the guts to run for president. Guts is in quotes for some reason.
1: Huh? I him wonder on... What? he was quoting? <laughs> no.
0: I watched him on 60 Minutes last night, and I agree with him that he is not the smartest person. <laughs> Besides, America already has that. Assuming that's him, yeah, he's the smartest person. I only hope that Starbucks is still paying me their rent in Trump Tower. What do you think?
1: Another good DJT tweet. We don't deserve them.
0: We don't deserve them. We really don't deserve them. What did we do to deserve this? I don't
1: know.
0: Uh, we're not that terrible. At, uh, anyway, uh, Howard Schultz, for those who don't know, is the CEO of Starbucks who was making rumblings. Starbucks. Starbucks. Sorry. Nobody,
1: nobody says Starbucks.
0: Starbuck was the... I know.
1: Battlestar Galactica. I knew you were going to say that. Uh,
0: you're cutting me off? Oh, man. All right. Fine. I don't get to launch into a nice Battlestar Galactica rant. Um, but Howard Schultz is planning on running for president as a third party, and I'm keeping my eye on him.
1: Is he... Like, he's actually said he's going to, or it's just preliminary stuff? Well... Has he said anything definite?
0: Uh, He hasn't specifically announced that he's running. I don't know whether or not he's running. Um, But it's just refreshing to hear somebody talking about things that neither of the two parties are talking about. Specifically, the national debt. We are $21 trillion in debt.
1: That's a lot.
0: That is a lot. Uh, Except, at the same time, it's not a lot compared to the gross domestic product. Does that make any sense? No. We're diving into weird. So, for instance, I have a great deal more debt than you do, correct? Hopefully. Yes. But it's not as big a deal for me. I mean, I have a, a, a mortgage of hundreds of thousands of dollars and you do not. No. But my income is much higher than yours.
1: Okay, brag about it. Sheesh.
0: There we go there we go. So it isn't necessarily the amount of debt we have, it's the amount of debt compared to the amount of assets we have. When you compare debt to the gross domestic product, that is how much the entire country makes, uh, the highest debt we ever had was during the Second World War. Even though if you look at the dollar amount, it was a smaller dollar amount, but it was something like 140% of all of the product of everything that everybody in the country made and we are now closing in on a hundred percent of gross domestic product and that's just going to continue to steamroll until we reach a point where we're not going to be what, able to manage what are, the debt. what are
1: we in debt to? we were always like talk about like in debt what wh- wh- what are, what are we in debt to i've never what, understood that
0: what are we in debt to? yeah
1: like what where is our money go going what
0: well, a lot of the debt. Because
1: when I think of debt, you think of like, oh, you're paying the bank back. You know, you're paying your student loans back. Right. I don't think America has student loans. So where?
0: America has huge student loans. Oh. They're not student loans. Uh, the biggest holder of American debt is the United States federal government.
1: Oh, that seems confusing.
0: Well, so what happens is uh, have you heard of the Social Security Trust Fund?
1: I've heard of Social Security. I don't know well, what social the trust s- fund is.
0: So Ronald Reagan in the 80s uh, jacked up Social Security taxes. All of the Reagan lovers don't realize that he raised taxes rather significantly. And jacked up Social Security taxes and created a huge Social Security surplus in the Social Security trust fund. Except... That doesn't mean that it was just deposited into a bank account and sat there waiting to give out. What happened was the government said, oh, look at all this extra money. Here's what we're going to do. And
1: they dove in it like Scrooge McDuck.
0: So if you go into the social, that's exactly what they did. And if you go into the social security, trust Dived? Dove. They dove into it.
1: Okay. Dove is correct. They dove into it. I'm pretty
0: sure. Like Scrooge McDuck. Like Scrooge McDuck. And so if you go into the Social Security Trust Fund, if that were really the kind of Scrooge McDuck gold vault, what you would find is a bunch of papers that say, I owe you $21 trillion. Oh. They just took that money out and they've spent it elsewhere. And but
1: who do they owe?
0: They owe themselves. They owe the Social Security <laughs> beneficiaries. Okay. For for instance, uh, they also owe bondholders. They're a private Individuals that buy bonds, when you buy a bond, the government says, okay, you're giving us this money and we, we will give you a rate of return on that bond. And foreign governments own a great deal of it. China owns a great deal of it.
1: Oh, I've heard of that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, all of this, but the biggest the biggest holder of I debt. I think the
1: solution is the, all, the entire country needs to go into women's protection.
0: That's a good plan. run from our debt. What will we change our name to?
1: The disunited colonies of north mexico
0: that sounds good have you ever seen the simpsons where the simpsons go into witness protection and no they become the thompsons
1: no sounds good though oh it's
0: good and the, and the guys keep trying to teach homer simpson his new name and they keep saying when i say hello mr thompson you say hello and he won't say it and finally they say okay when i say hello mr thompson and stomp on your foot you say hello hello mr thompson And then Homer leans over to the guy next to him and says, I think he's talking to you.
1: That's funny.
0: It's very funny. It's good stuff. Everything is about the Simpsons. It all comes back to the Simpsons. Actually, it all comes back to the $21 trillion of debt. Uh, We are going to – I look at what's happening in Venezuela right now. And Venezuela is the perfect example of what happens when you can no longer borrow any more money, when there isn't any more money available eventually everything collapses and we are just barreling forward to an unsustainable oh. amount of debt
1: <laughs>
0: and it's inevitable. Everybody knows it's there, but the thing is it's, it's still 20, 30 years away. And so even Donald Trump has said, well, I'm not going to be around when that happens. <laughs> and so, so I look at this and I, I listen to all of the people who are talking about running for president, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Really drove me nuts this past week. Uh, she proposed a wealth tax.
1: She's driving me nuts because she keeps advertising on YouTube, and so Elizabeth Warren ads keep coming up. when I'm trying to watch YouTube videos.
0: She's advertising already. Yeah. Just I'm Elizabeth Warren and I'm running for president.
1: Kind of well, advertising. Well, I skip them. You know how like on YouTube it, it, it's like five, four, three, two, one, and then you can skip it. Yeah. So I only watched the first five seconds of it. But what? there, but there was one today that I skipped that was like four minutes long. Oh so, wow. Money well spent, I guess, cuz I what skipped she, it after 5 seconds.
0: 5 seconds. What does she say in the 5 seconds?
1: Um it was like a shot of her shaking someone's hand and then it was like ah and then I skipped. Oh, okay. So.
0: So you didn't you didn't get her message. Well, no. she's talking about a wealth tax. You know, every time so so every tax that we pay now is to some degree voluntary. That is if you want to pay less in income taxes, make less. Make less. If you don't want to pay cigarette taxes, don't buy cigarettes. Uh, but Elizabeth Warren is talking about a wealth tax. And what she's saying is if you're really wealthy, if you already have stuff, we're just going to come in and take your stuff, which is not something that constitutionally they're allowed to do. Uh, the income tax was required a constitutional amendment to make that available. And back when they passed it, they said, oh, it'll never go beyond 2% of income. And guess what? it went beyond 2% of income. Mm. But now Elizabeth Warren is just saying we're going to go in and just grab people's stuff and that's going to pay off everything and we're going to be great. That doesn't strike me as a good idea. Does that strike you as a good idea?
1: Um it depends on what stuff they're grabbing.
0: Like so if they're getting Billy Joel records, that's okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but if it's like I don't know. I I I don't I don't know enough about income tax laws. To have a good opinion on it. Well,
0: we'll okay. talk a little bit more about income tax laws and a little more about Howard Schultz when we get back from our break. This wealth tax is not a new idea. In fact, the first time I heard of a wealth tax, guess who was proposing it? It was back in 2000. It was in a book called The America We Deserve by...
1: This is a um, trick question.
0: It isn't a trick question. It's by Donald J. Trump. Donald
1: J. Trump. I was going to say that. I really was. Yeah, But it's not actually by him.
0: Well, no. Well, I don't think he's even read it, yeah. let alone written it. Uh, you need to read the article written by the ghostwriter of The Art of the Deal, which was Trump's biggest book. Yeah. And he makes it clear that Donald Trump isn't capable of reading a book, let alone writing a book. But this is back in 2000, and every election cycle, President Trump, who wasn't President Trump at the time, but he would just sort of flirt with running for president, it was kind of a joke.
1: Oh man, those were the days. Those were the days. We all laughed at him.
0: Uh, He was once talking about running for president on the Reform Party ticket. Are you familiar with the Reform Party? I am not. The Reform Party...
1: They uh, want to reform something? They want
0: to reform government. So in 1992... Columbus
1: sailed the ocean blue.
0: No, no he didn't. He'd been dead for 500 years.
1: Well, it rhymes still, so it's true. Okay,
0: 1492. I nailed it, right? Yeah. I got the date right. Yeah, well, Columbus didn't sail the ocean blue, but George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton were running for president. And just like Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, uh, a rich CEO dude went on television and started flirting with the idea of running for president. Do you know who that rich dude was?
1: Was it Trump? It was not. Oh, dang it.
0: It was not. It was the man your mother voted for in nineteen ninety two. She did not vote for Bush or Clinton. She voted for H. Ross Perot. H.
1: Ross Perot.
0: Have you heard of H. Ross Perot? No. You've never heard of Ross Perot?
1: I well, I've heard his name. I don't know his I don't know what he did at all.
0: Well, he ran for president in ninety two, and when he initially announced they were taking polls. And he was ahead in the polls. He was an independent candidate, and he was beating oh, that's Bush wild. he was beating Clinton by a mile.
1: What happened? Ross
0: Well, he turned out to be nuts.
1: Oh,
0: uh, he dropped out of the race right in the middle and said, the reason i 'm dropping out of the race is that uh, George H. W. Bush has hired people to come and disrupt my daughter 's wedding, and I just can't <laughs> stomach that anymore, so i 'm dropping out and There was no evidence On that he was day doing of my this.
1: Daughter's wedding.
0: At one point he said, well, the Cubans have all been hired to come take me out. And David Letterman went on television and he said, yeah, see, this is what we're talking about. Those are jobs that belong to Americans. That's funny. Which was pretty funny. But he was just kind of a nut. Dang it. But he jumped back in and he actually got into after the debate. After the wedding? He was after like, after the no, wedding. I don't
1: have anything to stress out about.
0: Right. George H.W. Bush did not disturb the wedding. Uh, but he jumped back into the race, and he did. What
1: if, what if the wedding actually had happened, and all that George H. W. Bush did was when the pre- when like the ministers like, are there any objections? George <laughs> H. W. Bush jumped up and was like, "I object," and that was the and that was it. Yeah,
0: that was it. And that would be worth worth dropping out of the race for.
1: Yeah, and then and then Ross Perot tackles him, and they start fighting.
0: Well, in in all of the initial polls, crying
1: and screaming, and the weddings ruined.
0: That would make a good movie, I think. I think you should write it. Okay, I think I'll you get should right on that. Get on it.
1: I'm going to get George W. Bush to play George H. W. Bush.
0: Perfect casting. Perfect, perfect casting. So Ross Perot dropped out, get, gets back in, and he wins something like I don't. He, he he comes in a solid third. But what was interesting, he didn't he didn't win a single state. He didn't win a single electoral vote. But there was only one state in the union where he came in second. Can you guess which state of the union that was?
1: Was it Utah? It
0: was the state of Utah.
1: What the heck?
0: George George H.W. carried Utah. Perot was in second. Clinton was in third.
1: We hate our Democrats here.
0: That We certainly did in 92. And that was the same year that my father was first elected. And they went back to the White House. and And, you know, you look at Donald Trump's fast food thing for the football players. Yeah. Uh, the, Bob Dole, who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, thought it would be funny. He was a minority leader, actually. Senate Minority Leader thought it would be funny to invite Bill Clinton over for Big Macs. And he came over and talked to the Republican senators. And Dad said he was extraordinarily impressed with Clinton in terms of his personal charisma. That's and, what
1: everyone, I feel like that's what everyone who met him said.
0: Oh, Yeah. Well, Dad, th- did I tell you that one story when Dad was on Air Force One with him? No. They were, They were. It was near the end of Clinton's presidency, and they were going to Silicon Valley.
1: And Bill said, Bob, can I play some saxophone for you?
0: That's exactly what happened. And Dad said, no, let me play some saxophone for oh you. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine my father playing the saxophone? He wouldn't have been good. No. He didn't have he the skills. He doesn't have
1: the lung capacity.
0: I think he had the he lung capacity. He was too skinny. All right. He was very skinny. Uh, but they went They went to Silicon Valley to address what they call the digital divide. I think I have talked to you about this. Anyway, he said at the end of it, Bill Clinton walked up to Dad and shook his hand and said, Bob, I'm, I can't do a very good Clinton imitation. No. But he said, Bob, this issue is the most important issue, and I'm going to make this the focus of the rest of my presidency. And Dad said, he was lying, and I knew he was lying, and I still believed him. That was Bill Clinton. He could look you in the eyes and he could lie to your face and you had to believe him because he just had this
1: magnetic charisma. That's like when when our dog begs for food. Like he acts like he hasn't been fed that day.
0: Yeah, it's exactly the same. He sells it. He sells it. It's exactly the same thing. So dad went up to him after they first met each other at this Big Mac uh, summit. And he said, boy, I'm sure glad I didn't have to run against you in Utah. And Bill Clinton said, well, you would have beaten me in Utah. Uh, so you know that's kind of a fun little story, don't you think? Fun.
1: It was fun and little.
0: It was fun and little. Didn't last all that long. But Perot ran in '92 and came in came in third, and he created a new party in '96.
1: The Ross Perot is great party.
0: Uh, yeah, Dot com Reform Party for short. Oh, and he he ran in '96 and didn't do nearly as well, but he did well enough. That the party survived for another four years, and so they were going to nominate somebody other than Ross Perot. And
1: it was going to be In Trump? 2000.
0: No. Oh. Trump threatened, Trump kept threatening to run. I think beginning in 2000 and 2004, you kept hearing, well, Donald Trump's going to run. And he never did. He never was going to do it. And then there was a reporter from Utah named McKay Coppins who wrote a piece calling why Donald Trump is never going to run for president. And Donald Trump, after he was elected, started tweeting, See, McKay Coppins, I really am running for president. Ha ha, you lose. And McKay Coppins, who I've talked to and met, he's a nice guy. But he said he feels responsible for having inflicted Donald McKay.
1: Trump. How dare you?
0: How dare you? He's now a reporter for The Atlantic. And uh, when he wrote that piece, then Donald Trump started slamming him and saying what a terrible guy he was and how inappropriate he, he was with all have, the women. He does
1: quote, guts, end quote.
0: Quote, guts, end quote, yes. So, all right, so when we get back, we, the Reform Party didn't go anywhere in 96, uh, but where did it go in 2000? Who was its nominee in 2000?
1: Don't look it up. Don't
0: Don't look it. it up until we get back from our brain. So are you looking up who the nominee of the Reform Party no, was in 2000? No, I was
1: checking my email, but.
0: The nominee of the Reform Party in 2000 was Patrick J. Buchanan. Okay. Do you know who he is?
1: No, I do not. So I'm assuming he didn't become president.
0: Patrick Buchanan ran as a Republican against George H.W. Bush in 1992 in the primary and did surprisingly well, but against an incumbent president, you always lose. Incumbent presidents will always get their nomination. There was a recent poll asking Republicans who they want to get their nomination. Donald Trump had 69%, Mitt Romney had 9%, and everybody else was nowhere.
1: So weird. What? John
0: Kasich had eight percent. So, okay, so that's kind of good. And then like Jeb Bush had one percent or something.
1: Ah, like Jeb. Good I think old he's Jeb. Doing well.
0: Jeb exclamation point. That was his. Jeb. Yes, that was his sign. And Donald Trump called him low energy Jeb. And the exclamation point, I think, jacked up the energy. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel energized whenever I see that.
0: Whenever you see that. So uh, Pat Buchanan. I remember asking my father. I said, I always used to play, who would you vote for? And Pat Buchanan was always
1: Voldemort or a snail. No, I. I mean, I'd I would s- vote for a snail
0: over Voldemort.
1: Yeah.
0: Voldemort or Hitler? Uh Um.
1: Well, is it like today? So well, they're both dead. dead.
0: So is Voldemort, and Voldemort's fictional and <laughs> dead.
1: Oh yeah, Voldemort died in the eighties, technically.
0: No nineties. Wasn't Harry Potter born in the nineties? I don't know. Doesn't matter anyway. So Voldemort versus Hitler. I would always ask Dad, okay, would you vote for Bush or would you vote for Clinton? Hitler,
1: because he'd be easier to kill, I decided. Then Voldemort? Yeah.
0: Hitler didn't have any Horcruxes? Yeah. So you'd vote for him and then kill him? Why don't you just vote for somebody who's already dead? Never mind. We're assuming both of them are alive. Yeah. Okay. This okay. is a very important political decision that we're yeah. making. Uh, anyway, when I play this with Dad, the only person that Dad would vote for Buchanan over was Hitler him he could couldn't stand and, and Buchanan has a reputation for being a Holocaust denier oh not entirely that you know it really, happened really but it is. wasn't as bad as we thought kind of thing.
1: I I have never understood those people because what what do people what do we gain from faking a Holocaust? I don't understand. Well,
0: Buchanan didn't say we faked the Holocaust. We just over it, we do, it was just too much. I mean, maybe a million Jews, not what? six million Jews.
1: But why, why, and why is he the only one to know this? I don't know.
0: I don't know. And he's since ba- backpedaled from that and, and insists that he's not a Holocaust denier. And I you know I don't. I don't know enough to judge him too harshly on that, but I, I do know, know. that if every someone, time he opens his mouth, that, I think he's an a idiot. Pretty,
1: that's a pretty good standard that, to judge someone by. Yeah, if you're a Holocaust, or not they <laughs> believe the Holocaust happened.
0: Right, right. He was a speechwriter for Richard Nixon. Uh, he, Until
1: he was fired when he wrote in the Holocaust didn't happen. Uh, and Richard Nixon was like, who wrote this? This is uh, ridiculous.
0: I wonder if... Did you know that this guy, Roger Stone, by the way, this is a tangent, but he's the Trump lawyer who was just indicted? uh uh-huh. He has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that.
0: Why would you get a tattoo of Richard Nixon on your back?
1: Lost a bet? I don't know. You were drunk? Well, uh, Both combined?
0: Can you imagine the tattoo artist that's like, okay, well, let me... Come up with a picture they, of Richard they'll Nixon. They'll do
1: anything. Like, tattoo artists will pretty much do anything.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Do you have a tattoo of Richard Nixon on your back?
1: Um, no, Ross Perot, actually.
0: Ross. You just found out who he was. Is You should have known that from the guy who's on your back.
1: I forgot. I can't see it. It's on my back.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. So, Pat Buchanan, um, he, had, he had run a 92 lost in the primary. He ran in 96. He won the New Hampshire primary against Bob Dole. And everybody was terrified that he was going to win the nomination because he was a loon. And it was terrifying to think that he would be the the nominee. And how could the Republicans nominate somebody who was so unfit for office? How could they? Foreshadowing. That's foreshadowing. Uh. But uh, Bob Dole ended up winning the nomination. And Pat Buchanan decided in 2000 that he was going to run as the Reform Party candidate. Which was interesting because Ross Perot, who created the Reform Party, endorsed George W. Bush in 2000 rather than his own nominee. Oh. Because Pat Buchanan was entirely what unfit. You do-
1: oh, okay. That, okay. Right. That's fair.
0: Except for – I don't even know if Ross Perot is still alive. Uh, your your grandfather, by the way, did not like Ross Perot at all.
1: Which grandfather?
0: Uh, I may, maybe both of them, oh. but my father, oh, okay. the one who served whenever as senator. Whenever
1: you refer to him, you always you always say, like, my dad or my father. Okay. You never say your grandfather.
0: All right. Well, uh, Grandpa Bob, okay. as you used to call him, one of the first hearings he had was in a hearing where Ross Perot was testifying about the Mexican peso crisis in, the, in front of the banking committee. And this was early on in Dad's term. Uh-huh. And he just started talking, he brought out a magazine where he talked about the labor markets in Mexico. And he said, you know, you want to get workers for $2 an hour? You can in Yucatan. And he showed this big ad and showed just how bad this was and how terrible. It was actually hearing on NAFTA, actually, now that I think about it. And everybody else was just letting him rant. And your grandfather uh, stopped him and just started ripping into him and telling him how stupid his ad was and how wrong it was and he's, he's like he said the cost of labor is not what drives up the cost of goods more than the cost of transportation and other kinds of things he says it's not about it 's not about the, uh, you know cheap labor so much as opening Mexico for American markets. And he,
1: Smack down. he
0: smacked him down, and Perot afterwards said...
1: Was crying. Well, so he why did you he didn't that? ask
0: a single question. And Perot afterwards said, well, can I talk? And Dad said, well, sure. And he says, well, I'm honored that you'll let me. And he says, first of all, this isn't my magazine. Because he kept showing this magazine. He says, I didn't print this magazine. This is
1: Teen Vogue. I picked it up in the grocery store.
0: And so they kept arguing over whether or not NAFTA would be beneficial and dad said, Well, let's make a bet. I'll bet you $10,000 that within 10 years, well, it was Perot that proposed the bet. He's like, well, I'll bet you 10 years that the standard of living for Americans will drop because of NAFTA. And dad said, Okay, $10,000. Back when
1: grandpa had money and was rich. Well,
0: that's a whole other story. Those
1: were the days.
0: But it was really amazing. And he was sitting next to Carol Mosley Braun, who was a liberal Democrat from Illinois, uh, who became very good friends with dad. And she looked at him and underneath the hearing table, she gave him a big thumbs up like, yeah, way to stick it to Ross Perot. So that was very, that was an exciting time. That's back when dad was brand new in the Senate and was kicking butt and taking names. Getting thumbs
1: ups from carols.
0: Getting thumbs up from carols. Who could
1: ask for more, really.
0: So, but what the Perot campaigns in 92 and 96 demonstrated was that. A third party movement uh, can get some momentum, but. If
1: the person leading it isn't crazy.
0: Isn't crazy, absolutely. If Ross Perot had stayed in the race from 92 and not dropped out about his daughter's wedding and hadn't said nutty things about Cubans trying to take him out and all of that kind of stuff, Ross Perot had a real shot. So now I look at Howard Schmidt and I. Schultz, Howard Schultz. Howard Schmidt was a teacher of mine at USC. Shout out Howard Schmidt. I think he listens to this podcast. Okay. Anyway, Howard Schultz doesn't seem particularly crazy. He's focused on an issue that the other two parties are all but ignoring. And I'm willing to give him a look. I'm not convinced that businessmen who have no political experience ought to be president of the United States as an entry-level job.
1: It's kind of a bummer that pretty much the only – Requirement to be president now, besides like the constitutional age, lim- whatever, is that you have to be a million billionaire. That's yeah. all you have to have to be president. Yeah. Is just be super rich.
0: Well, uh, and the fact of the matter is that's kind of the way that we, we've designed our election laws to make it impossible for anybody of ordinary means to run for office, for any significant
1: office. That's depressing. That
0: is kind of depressing, but I think that's another issue. So... So, when we get back from our break, I want to get into the nitty gritty. Who is Howard Schultz? What does he stand for? Does he have a chance? And is a vote for Howard Schultz a wasted vote? Free
1: Starbucks. Oh. Oh.
0: Uh, if it's free Starbucks, I think he wins. He's in a got landslide. my vote. He's got, but is a vote for Howard Schultz a wasted vote? We'll find out in a minute. So, we're no stranger to third parties, you and I. Nope. And we both worked for the United Utah Party.
1: You more than me, I would say.
0: Well, and I'm still involved with the United Utah Party, but you worked on Hillary Sterling's campaign. She's the new executive director of the United Utah Party. Nice. And um, one of the things that I would bump into whenever I ran, whenever I ran, when I was running, I only ran once with the United Utah Party, uh, but one of the things I bumped into was I can't vote for you because a vote for a third party is a wasted vote. Yeah. Do you agree with that?
1: No. I think that's dumb reasoning.
0: Can you and, expand on that?
1: Um, yeah, but <laughs> I choose not to.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I had a government teacher in high school who used to quote quote Eugene Debs, who was the socialist candidate for president for years and years and he was asked, you know, why are you running when you have no shot? And his response was, it's better to vote for what you want and not get it than vote for what you don't want and get it. And I think the two-party system as it as it's presently constituted
1: sucks.
0: Sucks and requires people to vote for what they don't want and get it. Yeah. And so I look at that and say, well, I mean, there are a lot of people now who are saying, okay, well, if you vote for Howard Schultz, you're guaranteeing that Trump gets reelected. But I don't want to vote for Elizabeth Warren and a wealth tax and a bunch of nonsense is just Bernie, because is,
1: I. Is Bernie running again?
0: Bernie is running again.
1: Oh, Bernie. Bernie's Bernie. back in. What are you doing?
0: Bernie is what, 79 years old?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: I mean, he's almost 80 years old. Uh, Biden is going to run, oh, he's he is? 76. I, well, yeah. I mean, none of these people have necessarily, the people who have announced, okay, we've got Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harris, Harris, Harris. uh, and I think that may be it, who have officially announced. Is Cory Booker officially announced?
1: I don't know who that is.
0: Okay, well, then he probably has, he was Spartacus during the Kavanaugh hearings. It's the guy who said, this is my I am Spartacus moment because I'm going to release documents that have already been cleared for release, but I'm not going to tell you they've been cleared for release, and I'm going to look heroic.
1: How is, okay, he, he was... that's what Spartacus did? I <laughs>
0: think that's exactly what, no. Have you ever seen the movie Spartacus? You haven't? No, but if, Spartacus it was, is but if it's a Roman...
1: anything like that, I'm not going to see it. It sounds horrible.
0: Well, Spartacus is a Roman slave, and, and there's a big crowd of people, and the Roman overlords come and say, Spartacus, will you please stand up? And as he tries to stand up, other people start standing up and saying, I am Spartacus, I am Spartacus because they're willing to go die for Spartacus because Spartacus.
1: Oh, it's not the one where the like, where um the guy yells, This is Sparta and then they kill everybody. That's different.
0: That's three hundred I oh, think. Oh, okay. That's a much newer movie. Spartacus is an old movie with Kirk Douglas way back in the day. And
1: then like he kicks the guy into the pit.
0: Yeah, good times. Yeah. Everybody likes to be kicked into pits. I want to
1: see that in the Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah. More kicking people into pits.
0: We seem to have strayed from our theme here, but kicking people into pits. Sorry, I got excited. This is good. Everybody likes kicking people into pits. Everybody likes kicking presidential candidates into the pits, I suppose. Nice.
1: Nice Nice, way to bring it back.
0: Nice way to bring it back. So the thing is, if we continually decide, okay, well, the two-party system, we've really got no choice. I mean I go it comes back to the Simpsons again. There's a Halloween episode in 1996. Halloween obviously is in the month right before election day. Yeah. And so they it is. they did one where Bill Clinton and Bob Dole, who were the two nominees, are abducted by aliens and they're replaced by Kang and Kodos. And Homer finally exposes it on the steps of the Capitol that the two candidates are space aliens. And he, they, they're both promising, you know, eternal slavery of everybody. And King, they say, well, the problem is you have to vote for one of us because it's a two-party system. And everybody goes, right, it's a two-party system. we got to vote for one of them. And then somebody says, not me. I'm voting for a third party. And one of the aliens says, go ahead, throw your vote away. And then you see Ross Perot in the crowd punching his straw hat through with his fist. And at the end, when they're being... This is a
1: lot of...
0: A lot of Simpsons. Play-by-play play of a Simpsons And then episode. when they're brought into the minds of, of uh, you know, Homer just finally says, don't blame me. I voted for Kodos because Kang apparently won. Kang and Kodos were the two candidates. Good stuff, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It also has the best political speech ever. He says,
1: "This is going. So we must go long,
0: forward, dude. not backward; upward, not forward, and always twirling, twirling, twirling toward freedom."
1: I think you've said that on here before. Well, I don't it's know. good stuff. All the Simpsons talk just blends together. Well, this is too much. I have me.
0: not mentioned Star Trek once. Okay, you know that,
1: don't you? That's not. Oh <laughs> my God! I'm well, suffering.
0: You're suffering. Well, I hope not. Nobody else is suffering, but the reality is, if we're ever going to see change, it's going to have to come, I think, from somebody outside the system. And I don't just mean a businessman who's never held office. I mean outside of the two parties. And there is precedent for that succeeding. It's very old precedent. But can you remember the last third-party candidate who became president of the United States? Oh, I
1: should know You've this. heard of him. I've heard of. I've heard of him. Yes. Um,
0: Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Yes. The Republican Party was only six years old when Abraham Lincoln became president of the United States. It had essentially replaced the Whig Party, which which fizzled out and died. The Whig Party was essentially the version of Republicans that was pro-choice on slavery. Huh. And the Republicans were born to get rid of the twin relics of barbarism, slavery, and polygamy. So, good stuff. Uh, They succeeded. They succeeded. Thank you. And going forward, hopefully, a third-party candidate can succeed. We're out of time. And if you're listening to this on the radio, please subscribe on iTunes or at the KSL Podcast Mm -hmm. Center. And in the meantime, we'll see you next week. This is Jim Bennett.
1: I'm Abby Bennett.
0: And tune in next time to Dinner Table
1: Politics.